Welcome to the next installation of our Ask a Scientist show. I'm Dr. Atta Sarajadini, Dean of the Charles E. Schmidt College of Science at Florida Atlantic University. And I have Dr. Teresa Wilcox with me today, Chair of the Department of Psychology at Florida Atlantic University. Before I bring Dr. Wilcox into our conversation, as I've done in the previous shows of this series, I'd like to talk a little bit about what science is and how it works. Science is a tool to better understand the natural world. And it's composed of essentially three parts. We ask a question and we gather observations or data to try to answer that question. Those data or observations then lead to an explanation. Another word for an explanation is a theory. And every good theory makes a prediction. The predictions are then tested with the observations or the data to see if they come true, to see if they are validated by the observations or data. If they are, then the explanation is probably correct. If they're not, then we have to change the explanation or the theory to produce better predictions that are more in line with the data that we observe. One more thing I'd like to point out is that unlike mathematics, which proves things, scientists don't prove things. Instead, we provide evidence in favor or against a particular theory or explanation. Now, with that preamble, I'd like to bring in Dr. Wilcox and have her talk about her research. Teresa, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Let's begin with a big picture view of what you work on. Right. So I'm very broadly interested in the origins of knowledge. And what I mean about that is, where does our human knowledge come from? Is it there from our early days in life? How does it change during the first year or two? And what are the mechanisms for change? Like why, how and why does it change during the first um, year? And within this context, I have been focusing most of my studies recently on babies' understanding of two broad categories of things in the world. And those are social entities, so that would be people, the people that they interact with on a daily basis, and then that would be mechanical entities, such as um, cars and trucks and things that move by mechanical or physical laws. I see. And so in terms of the paradigm I laid out earlier, how does your research fit into that? What kind of observations or data are you gathering to make your explanation or theories Right. Now, that's, an, that's a great question because we work with babies. And so you can't ask a baby what they think about things or how they're feeling about things. So it's a very, it's a challenge to find ways um, to find ways to figure out what babies are thinking about the world. And what we've relied on most recently is changes in technology that allow us to have some insight into the baby's mind. So for example, we use eye tracking technology to see where babies are looking. And if we can pinpoint exactly where babies are looking in their world, it gives us information about what they're paying attention to. And if we can measure how long babies look at things, then we can figure out what things they find surprising or not surprising. And the other technique that we've been able to draw on is something called near-infrared spectroscopy. And it's a neuroimaging technique. We put a hat with some light sources on a baby's head, and then it is non-invasive, it doesn't hurt, it's um, perfectly safe, and we can measure change changes in blood flow in the brain. So that means changes in parts of the brain that are activated while we show babies visual events. And when you say babies, how old are these babies? We test babies between about three months and 18 months of age. 
I see. And do you try to keep your subjects within that range to kind of control for that particular variable in your experiments? We do. We try to keep a relatively um, narrow age range. For us, 3 to 18 months is a wide range <laughs> because there's a lot that happens between 3 months and 18 months of age. But within that particular range, we can study the kinds of things that we want to study with the technologies that we use. And so the question you're asking is, how do babies learn? How do they make sense of the world? And I hear the kinds of data that you're gathering. How does that data then lead to a theory for how these babies learn? Right. So one way we've done this is we've taken a broad question, a question that has been posed by developmental psychologists and prior to developmental psychologists, philosophers, about how humans from the very early age parse out the world. So do we come into this world with at least a basic understanding about how the natural world is organized? So one distinction we've been looking at is a distinction between social entities and mechanical entities. And our, our hypothesis was that the very young brain is organized from an early age to um, perceive these kinds of entities in a different way and to learn um, from them in different ways. And so in some of our first studies, we looked at babies' um, attention to and patterns of cortical activation um, of a hand interacting with a tool, so pouring, um, pouring or um, pounding or stirring and lifting, and we looked at baby's ability to learn about the, uh, the actions that the hand was engaged in, and we used a human hand, and we used a mechanical hand, like a grabber, and we found that babies were paid more attention to the hand that was a human hand, and were more uh, better able to learn from the human hand than a mechanical hand. And one reason that this area of research is becoming particularly important is because our world is becoming increasingly automated. So we have robots and we have automated entities that babies see on a regular basis and that even older kids and children are beginning to see in the classrooms and in play environments and learning environments. So the question that we're asking that's relevant for today is, are babies able to learn from these mechanical entities as well as they're able to learn from humans? So getting back to my original information that I put out earlier, science is a tool to better understand the natural world. And in this case, we're talking about the human brain as the natural world. Correct. And you laid out just a minute ago an experiment that you've done to discern whether babies can tell the difference between an, a human hand and a mechanical hand. So this theory that you build from these observations presumably makes a prediction and so you can test the prediction. Can you talk a little bit about how that might work or that has worked in your research? Right. So our research so far tested the prediction that a human brain is organized from the early days of life to attend to these two different entities in different ways. Our next prediction is whether this can be changed with experience. So maybe the human mind from an early age is set up to respond differently to humans than to robots or to mechanical entities. But perhaps with experience with mechanical entities, babies can learn from those as well as they can learn from 
humans? And that's the question that we're currently asking in my lab. We don't have a full data set to answer that question, but our prediction, my hypothesis, is that one reason babies learn better from humans is that they're more familiar with them. That's what they see from the early days of life, and that's what they, those are the things that they engage in, and they recognize that that's, those are the entities from which they can learn things that are really important for um, surviving in their world. But perhaps if they were exposed to mechanical entities and robotic entities the same amount as they were humans, perhaps they would also learn. Um, that's, our, that's our prediction. Our prediction is they will, but we'll have to talk at a later date to let you know the outcome of that prediction. We'll be looking forward to that result. Uh, another theme of these Ask a Scientist podcasts has been the tendency of science to be a self-correcting process, that we may have the wrong theory today that may not make good predictions, but that over time, as our data improves, our theories improve, and our predictions improve, and are better in line with the data. I'd like to hear a little bit from your standpoint, the research that you do, how you've seen this at play in the real world, the improvement of our observations or the improvement of the um, of the theories and hopefully improvement in the predictions. I'd like to hear more about that from your standpoint. Right. We've been in developmental sciences, we've been impacted a lot by technology because, especially with research with babies, because babies can't tell you what they're thinking and they can't show you, they can't interact with objects. They're very limited in their behavioral abilities. So we've really depended on technology to get an insight into what they're thinking. So with the use of eye tracking technology, where we can see precisely where they're looking in their environment, or we can use patterns of brain activation to, we can use technology that, that allows us to measure patterns of brain activation. It allows us to make inferences about what babies are thinking through these technologies that we weren't able to do before. And what's that done for us in the field is gone from theories that have said, babies come into this world really knowing nothing, right? They sit on the couch, they don't do anything else. You know, what could they possibly be thinking? To theories that say, you know what? Babies are taking in information. They are processing. So there's something going on. And now with these technologies, we have the tools to better understand um, exactly what is going on in the, in the infant brain. So what, what I hear you saying is that both the tools, the data, and the predictions and the theories have improved over time. Absolutely, yes. Well, thank you for being with us today, Dr. Wilcox. I've been interviewing Dr. Teresa Wilcox, Chair of our Department of Psychology at Florida Atlantic University. Thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure.